What's up, everyone? Lance Hedrick here, and today we're answering all of your coffee questions. I've got my phone beside me with chat pulled up, and we're going to go through it. To those of you who may be tuning in later, the chat is just for people on my Patreon that uh, send an unlisted link in Discord, and then we come and we have some fun. So I'm going to brew up some coffee, and we're going to just start answering questions. All right, let's see. There is the chat. All right. All right, chat, sound off. I'm going to get my coffee prepared, but I'm ready to go. All right, let's get coffee. I'm going to brew up some uh, Ethiopia Etchimo from Tim Wendelbow. As I wait for Q's trolling, there we go. There's some emojis coming in. My chat isn't loading on my phone. Let's get this fixed. All right. There we are. Hi, Lance. I have a burning question. I have like eight different beans in the freezer to keep them fresh longer so I can vary between coffees. What are your thoughts on grinding straight from freezer? My thoughts are do it. Do it. So it will provide different particle distribution than if you were to grind them non-frozen. But um, in the end, it can arguably said that it's better. And the best thing about it is you're going to definitely lessen the heat damage that can occur during grinding because you have a much colder beginning. So that is a great upside. My phone's being a, a booty and doesn't want to help me. So we're just going to go based off my eyesight, which thankfully is 2020 with my glasses on. I've not changed my prescription like four years, but well, it's fine. Glad to be here. Missed the last one because I was doing a blind cupping. Hey, that's a good reason to miss though. Cupping. Y'all know how I feel about cupping. Good morning from Toronto. What's up, Phil? Hello, Lance. Do you have any speculation on RPM effect to heat damage? Yes. Speculatively. Yes. I definitely have speculation. So it's <clears throat> RPM is, takes a second seat to feed rate into the efficiency of the burrs, right? So if you have super efficient burrs and a super efficient feeding system, RPM still will take will still have uh, an effect, but it won't be nearly as big of an effect as improving the feed of beans into your system. So if you're hoping that, for instance, you're thinking, okay, a fast throughput, I need to go fastest RPM possible. That's not necessarily going to really change anything to the heat damage. And the same thought process might be going as, oh, slower RPM is going to give you a slower um uh, or, or is going to disallow as much coffee to be broken at once so you'll have less of a traffic jam to exit the burrs, uh, therefore less heat damage. It's not, there's not as big of a correlation because of the feeding mechanism, because most grinders don't have a feeding mechanism that's efficient and don't have big enough burrs to really optimize the performance of the grinder. So when it comes to RPM, as of now, I would say there's not really um, a reason to fret. Um, you can go up or down and play with that however you want. I think it would it would matter more as a fine tuning um, a fine tuning variable once you have an efficient feed rate. And in that situation, I think lower RPM would be ideal if you have the proper torque. So I'm thinking. What I'm, what I'm saying with that is you can likely get less heat generation at a lower RPM due to the fracturing events being less chaotic and less rubbing going on because they're, they're not getting caught in the burrs as much. So they have an, a cleaner exit from the burrs, um, disallowing as much of that heat generation. But you would need something that has essentially you want to be able to feed at the same rate the burrs can eject the grounds, right? So if you have something that can do that, that's great. Uh, Pre-breaking is still a necessity in order to really um, help achieve this. But anyway, that's my like speculation on that. 
Let's see. I'm going to try to get my phone to work one more time because it is hard seeing onto the screen. All right. And I put no ads on this. Why are they showing ads? Here we go. Now it's working. Um, Perfect. I'm caught up now. Do you have an opinion in Thai coffee? I loved it in Bangkok, but it seems to be people outside care. I um, don't really have much of an opinion on Thai coffee. I've not had that much. I've had some Thai, but nothing that really stood out. But that's only because I've had such a limited portion. Honestly, I would probably say knowingly I've had maybe four or five Thai coffees. No, there's probably more than that because uh, a lot of Robusta. Well, no, that's not true. Um, no, I'd say probably four or five Thai coffees I've had. Unless you count like getting Thai coffee at Thai restaurants, which that's a that's a bit different. So um, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on it, uh, to be honest with you. The grinder I received the other day is the Varya VS3, if that matters for your answer. I am eyeballing the Lalit Bianca, but would love your thoughts on which machine would be a nice great upgrade for now. So the grinder I received is the Varya. Well, I don't know. You say upgrade. So the imp implication is you have something already and you're looking to upgrade. Um, I'm not sure even if, if you should even upgrade, depending on what machine you have. The Elite Bianca is a fantastic machine. Let me grind this. The Elite Bianca is a fantastic machine and will pair well with the Varia. Um, yeah, I mean, the Varia does a solid job. You just don't want to overwork it, but uh, it does a solid job. We'll make you a nice coffee. And uh, the Bianca is is a, a Titan. I mean, I've made a pretty long video about it that uh, kind of goes over all of that. But I mean, if you if you have the funds for a Bianca and that's what you want, get it, baby. That's what I say. I say go for it. Uh, and future proof, looking to spend between two and four k euros. Espresso cappuccino will be its main task. Oh, if the main task is uh oh, as so you said, espresso and cappuccino. Yeah, if you're doing both, yeah, the Bianca will do great. It'll it'll give you that flow profiling capability, the manual flow profiling, and it will uh, it'll have great steam power because it has a pretty big pretty big steam boiler about cupping. Why is it so important to break the crust exactly after four minutes, but then it doesn't matter how long you wait until you taste it. Yes. That's an absolute, that's actually a fantastic question. Okay. So at around, essentially you're allowing it to saturate and around the four minute mark, you're in introducing um, extra agitation, but you're also allowing for those volatile organ or, or, um, or aromatic compounds to come out. So you're waiting four minutes to really Heighten the amount of extraction you can get to release as many of those VOCs to be caught by the crust as possible. Now, of course, it probably matters a lot less with super lightly roasted coffees or older coffees that don't really form a crust. But the idea behind it was because it was forming that crust and you're allowing a lot of those VOCs to be trapped so that when you broke it, you'd be hit with a heavy aroma. Um, so as I say, I don't think it, it probably doesn't matter nearly as much with these light coffees that don't really form a crust but you're still doing it in order to have consistency from cup to cup so that you're having the same amount of agitation roughly at the same time period during the extraction. So some of it is just going to be based off of that. But yeah, I would say a lot of it was trial and error over the years to figure out when the mass, um, when, when you, when you could optimize the release of those VOCs. Best bang for buck rotary pump machine in Europe. That is definitely the Lilith Bianca. Best bang for your buck rotary. Um, what are your thoughts on the Perinelli wand? Um, oh, I mean, they're awful, but you can you can do stuff with it. I, I showed it in a video where I used one of the, pen, it's Penarello, uh, where I used the Penarello wand. Um, 
And it, it does. I mean, you can make coffee, but you have to. I mean, you, you can make steamed milk and you can make some decent milk, but you do have to scoop off some of the foam on top. It over aerates and it makes it really difficult to control. But um, it it does the job. Now, just so in case anyone's wondering, I'm currently brewing the Ethiopia Echimo, Wash Ethiopia from Tim Wendelbow. I'm brewing it on the Oria. I guess it's a V3 or something. I'm not sure which one it is, but I just got in the mail. Let me actually, I'm a WDT a little bit. It's running a little quickly, a little quicker than I want. There we go. I just got in the mail today, these uh, Sybaris V3s. So I wanted to kind of check it out and they do run quickly. Nice. Okay. So um, let me get this turned off. Let me get a cup prepped. Use this little cutesy. All right. Highlands greetings from Chicago. My Breville dual boiler came yesterday. Heck yeah. So excited to brew something tasty. It's my first espresso machine. I'm a filter boy, but your vids help with the selection. That is super exciting. Have fun with the stock. You don't need to modify it out of box. It's incredible with your capability of changing the pump pressure. I mean, you've probably seen my first video where it shows all the stock capability, but of course there's always the um, option of uh, modding it. Option O Lego Mini or Varia VS3 Gen 2. One to three shots, 20 grams a day roughly. So, Something interesting to show you, if I can find it, yep, is there may be another option in that price range. I just got this in the mail. This is another one from FEMO Book. If you remember FEMO Book, I did a review on their A68. So this is uh, an interesting little one. I've not actually used it yet, but I like the way it's built. It's quite robust, and it's uh, battery-operated. Boom. So, um, I mean, you can charge the battery. Obviously, you don't even need to use the battery, but... Um, Really quick, easy disassembly. You just line up that bad boy, twist it in, and here you go. This may be really great for that that uh, amount of coffee. I'm not sure yet. I also recently got this in. Well, I got it a while ago. I just haven't done anything with it. This is like the me, the little me lab thing. But it comes with a stand. It comes with a stand, so you can kind of put it in here, or you can use it as like a travel get up, ground straight to the catch cup. Anyway, I'm checking these out, but but out of those, um, honestly, the Varia does a, a nice job. Uh, so does the Legome. So I guess it really depends on your square footage or square meterage. One to three 20 gram shots roughly a day. Yeah, there are people there are people with split opinions on that. So I think it really is kind of like a up to you. Just kind of go with one and and you're going to enjoy it. I, there's, I think they're going to be close enough in quality. They'll present themselves a little differently, but they'll be close enough in quality that I don't think you'll regret either one. So just uh, between those, just kind of decide which one is aesthetically superior to you, which one has the better size for you. Um, and, and I'd go with that. Um, or even, yeah, yeah, that's probably what I do. What kind of conversations are happening in the industry about sustainability with regards to CO2 from shipping and energy inputs for roasting plastics and bags, brewers, et cetera? Yeah, so there's been... Not as much loud conversation about this, but there have been companies that have been doing things. Obviously, I'm biased. I work for Onyx. But one thing that we've been pushing for is uh, more sustainability. So, for instance, we have converted our whole roastery to solar panels. And we're not the only ones doing this, but our whole roastery is uh, powered by the sun. We also took out all plastic, which pissed off a lot of people. We took out all plastic from our bags a couple of years ago when we rebranded with the boxes. And so now we don't have a zipper on the bag because we could not find an alternative to a zipper that was not plastic other than the 10 ties and those kind of suck. So 
Um, in fact, just rolling the bag and shoving it back in the box was just as good as a zip tie or a, yeah, the zip tie thing. Uh, but there is now we have found a biodegradable zipper um, that we're going to um, eventually change into our bags once we get it all figured out. But there are people who are doing things like that. Um, but I would say that there's not there's not a loud voice about it because um, cheap still reigns supreme. People want to focus the narrative strictly on coffee wages, which is great but they don't want to look at all the other things that they're doing, like loads of plastic in their products, loads of waste, loads of, um, oh, a big one that people don't talk about is the freighting of uh, coffee uh, through, through the air. There are a lot of companies that air freight their coffee, which is awful when you could use uh, different types of ships that might consume a lot less oil or even um, different types of barges or whatnot. But uh, there's, there's a lot uh, that could be discussed when it comes to that. And I don't see enough being talked about, but there are definitely people who are trying to start the conversation. It's just uh, whether or not people are picking it up because all people can really focus on is the dwindling of their dollars, uh, which makes sense. Coffee should be more expensive than it is. That's the thing is we as consumers, especially people who are ethically minded, really want to keep pushing these different boundaries. But in order for roasteries and importers and whatnot to make these changes, they're going to have to charge a lot more money and consumers aren't willing to pay that money. Um, and then you could say, well, the roasters could take a, a chunk out of theirs. Well, I mean, they're not going to, right? So um, instead of pushing for that, because roasters do have tighter margins than you think, uh, instead of pushing for that, we need to push for just being okay, paying a, a bit higher wage, and roasters should take a little bit out of their profit. I mean, there's, there's, it's a two-way street, right? Uh, but there, it's been a, a big, the biggest thing I have heard in the past few years is this push to make coffee more expensive. Um, which I know pushes out a lot of people when it comes to the pricing of it. Uh, but that's, uh, and I'm not endorsing one way or another, right? I'm, 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 I'm just kind of telling you what the, what the conversation has been. I, I do think coffee, like, I do think coffees should probably be more expensive. Um, but I don't think they should all be priced out, obviously, because I know people need to have much cheaper options, but still be in specialty. So I'm not saying a wholesale across the board be like that, but definitely there should be, I think people should be more, People who can should be more willing to buy more expensive coffees to show that there is a market of people who are conscious minded enough to do that. Instead of making your cheap purchase be coffee, if you have means and you instead go out to an expensive restaurant twice a month, maybe switch that up, do an expensive restaurant once and do a more expensive coffee or whatever the, to the people who have the means to do so. Right. Not everyone has means to buy twenty dollar bags all the time, but even that would be cheap considering all the things that we're trying to do when it comes to sustainability. Being sustainable is, is simply not cheap. Um, when it comes to all of these different things. Then again, there are people air freighting coffee on planes, like in two day trips in order to have the freshest green possible. And that is something that could easily be avoided and would be cheaper to not do. So there are also those types of things that could be done that aren't being done by certain people, but I'm digressing at this point. How much do paper filters <clears throat> affect the brew? Thickness, bleached, unbleached, loads. Get buy some unbleached. If you only use bleached, buy unbleached and do a side-by-side -side taste. It's it's incredible the difference. I need a sip, uh, but oh wow, that's good. But the um, full recommendation, I, I I'll be honest. Um, I don't usually talk about roasters, or I try not to. But last year, um, I, I typically order a lot of Tim Wendell Bill, and last year I didn't have loads that I loved. I usually have like you know four or five that I'm like, oh, this year these four or five were great. So I, I held off ordering this year for a bit. And then I ordered like six coffees or so. And let me tell you, the Echimo is fantastic. The Sedan Romay, I don't know if they're releasing it, but Tim roasted this and, and just added it in my bag. The Caballero is was fantastic. The Los Pedaneos is fantastic. The Coringa is quite nice. 
Uh, Karingas of years past have been better, but it's still a really nice Kenya. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you what, I was really surprised by the Caballero. It was very good. The Echimo I was expecting to be really nice, but anyway, um, the Echimo is really great. Mm. It is what you would imagine a window bow Ethiopia would be. Um, but yeah, so paper filters. The thickness, um, the amounts of wrinkles on it, um, all of that will affect its capability to absorb fines without clogging. Okay, so it's very important what filters you use. The, that's why Kafek has so many different ones called like dark, dark, medium, light, blah, blah, blah. They're all different thicknesses and textures, and they all interact differently with the grounds, providing different flow rates. So a lot of people might think that fines clogging is bad, but I mean, you have people in this Discord, uh, like Rohan, who um, has been preaching about intentionally clogging your filters so you can use coarser grounds to elongate contact time. Right. So there, it, it all depends on what you're looking for in your brew. I tend to prefer uh, thicker filters, uh, thick, yeah, thicker with with texture like the medium from Cafe or Sybaris filters. Um, Sybaris tend to be prohibitively expensive and it always feels weird using that much paper for a brew because how nice the paper is. And I'm using it for a single time. But um Honestly, they're such nice quality. You could probably wash it out and reuse it, except for the oils and microfines you can't get out. But anyway, um, yeah, so I, my, my kind of budget nice one is the Kafek Medium Roast. Uh, and that, those tend to do really well for me. Uh, they, they have a high capability of absorbing fines without stalling. They are very well made, which means that the concentration of the fibers making up the paper is pretty evenly spaced out. What you have with cheaper paper filters is they have kind of blotches of paper fibers that make up that paper, and it can cause uneven flow. So you want it to be as even as possible if it's under a microscope, things like that. Uh, looking to upgrade Barville Oracle Touch to a more manual machine, eyeballing the Lalit Bianca. What would your machine of choice be? Looking to spend two to four thousand euros. Um, yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you're going from Oracle Touch, yeah, the Lalit Bianca. Lance, what would be your preference between the Sculptor 064S and Niche Zero for mostly medium roast milky drinks? 064S, no question. I've I've said this many times. I don't. I. I appreciate deeply what Nietzsche did for the home grinding world. I appreciate the workflow of it, and I appreciate um, you know how it excited people about uh, getting to single dosing. And um, it also introduced, for, to my knowledge, introduced that little disc, which is great for slow feeding. Um, but I do not like Mazarconi burrs. I don't think that they do light roast well. I don't think they do dark roast well. I think a lot of people argue and say they do dark roast well because they've been brainwashed into thinking that bigger cones should automatically do dark roast well. But if you objectively uh, analyze a cup of espresso that you dialed in perfectly on the niche zero and then dialed the same one on, same one on say, like a special Lita or on the Time War 064S, I think you'll get more syrupy body, more, uh, more tasty, more balanced cup off the 064S or special Lita or mignon, whatever it might be. Uh, so I think there are loads of flat burrs and cone burrs that make a much better traditional style shot than the niche does. Um, and this, I'm not the only one who holds this opinion. Ever since I kind of made my thoughts clear on it, there have been people coming out of the woodwork saying that they bought a niche, they only drink dark, and they ended up switching um, to this, that, or the other because it, it, it underperformed on the niche and did better on others. That's not... That is not a uh, derision against the niche against the niche grinder. It's against the Mazarconi burrs. I'm sure if you had better burr set in there, it would taste better. I also just don't typically like cone burrs because they tend to produce a lot more heat, which can cause really astringent shots due to the heat damage. And I think that's another massive issue in the niches. It's just mashing beans. Uh, even if it is slow feeding it, it's still mashing them and causing loads of heat. Um, I reposted a short from our coffee shelter that showed a close-up of the... 
it was some huge conical burr grinder made by that company that makes 120 flat burr. Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but he posted a video of the beans going in. You can just see how long the ground stand there and rotate and rotate and rub and rub. And there's just so much heat damage with cone burrs. Um, so I tend to just not like cones anyway, because you get a lot of that. Once you taste massive heat damage, you can't untaste it. It's um, And I've told people this before. If you, if you want to take uh, the same grinder, grind it twice, um, really slow feed it so you can take as much heat away as possible. Grind it twice on a certain espresso setting, then heat one up with like a hair dryer or a heat gun up to like, you know, 60, 70, 80 degrees Celsius, uh, just the grounds, and then pull both shots. They'll pull at the same time. The heat damage won't affect the shot time, but then you taste them and you let it sit on your tongue. You won't be able to untaste that. Um, just came back from the Philippines for the holidays and picked up a bunch of Liberica coffee from uh, Batangas. Have you experimented with Liberica coffees before? I have, and I have not enjoyed it. I'll be honest with you. That is not my flavor profile. Um, I haven't enjoyed it. I tend to get oftentimes like the kind of savory or boozy or just intense types of notes that I am not a fan of. That's not to say the coffee is not delicious. A lot of people love Liberica. And there's a reason people are uh, making specialty Liberica and selling it and roasting it well, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's in the same way that I'm not a fan of like 248-hour fermentation, right? Uh, all right. You mentioned previously you prefer certain roasters for certain origins. Can you elaborate on which roasters you prefer for which origins? I don't want to elaborate too much on this. I'll just talk about the ones that I have already like talked about. And it's because I don't, I don't want to... Um, it's kind of difficult working for a roaster and a name roaster. So one of my policies is I never really talk about Onyx um, as far as like coffee preferences, um, unless it's in like a blind cupping, which I did on this channel the other day. But um, so if we're talking about um, African coffees, I, I, I tend to always watch for what Tim Wendelbo drops. I think he does a really nice job, especially with Kenya coffees, because coincidentally, those are his favorite coffees as well. Um, I think that Coffee Collective does really, really well with Kenyas and with Ethiopia, so Africa coffees, but they also do really well with Colombia coffees. Their approach to Colombia is very different than a lot of other roasters, and uh, I think they nail it really well if you're using the proper water. So that's kind of like how my mindset works on those is that like I'll taste coffees and there tend to pop up trends over years of trying different roasters where it might be that it's the roaster's preference. Like I know, for instance, Klaus at Coffee Collective loves Kenya coffees. He loves Columbia coffees. And it might just be that there is a, um, because there's so much more excitement behind those, maybe there's just more focus on it. I don't know. It could be an unintentional thing, but um, yeah. So things like that, that, that kind of stand out to me. Do you have any tips for high altitude filter brewing? Go boiling. And maybe use a little extra agitation. I don't think you need super high temp. In fact, I very often use 93, 92, 91 degree water, even for really lightly roasted coffees. I don't think you need to hit 100 Celsius or 98 or whatever. Um, so you'll be fine. Just maybe do a little extra agitation to prolong contact time. And in fact, all you're probably doing is you're probably lessening the potential bitterness because you don't have to deal with a high temp, which can leach a lot of that. Can you suggest do a video on cheap but really good 64 millimeter burrs? Example, O2 for filter. I would like to improve my burrs in O64S. Is it possible under 100? Yeah, I think, well, it depends. If you are trying to just do filter, the, the turbo burrs do okay. 
from uh, Time War, but I do think the Gen 2 birds from Fellow are fantastic. I mean, like I said in my video, I did help uh, design them. Um, I th and and the, the goal was not to match the multi-purpose from SSP. I know James said that he thought they were really similar. That was not the goal. Our goal was to make an everyman burr. So something that would give you that crispiness and cleanliness without sacrificing too much body or sweetness. So it gives you a really nice cup that I think is pretty unique and isn't really replicated on other burrs. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a nice burr and it's something I would recommend. Definitely. Um, so at 64, yeah, I would say that the best, I would say the best budget burr for 64 millimeters is the Ogen 2. And I'm not, and I, I will argue and say that I'm not too biased saying that because I make zilch on it. I got paid like nothing doing that. Um, it was early on when I started YouTube, I did not, you know, uh, ensure that I had <clears throat> contracts in place or anything like that. So uh, I think I was paid like 20 bucks an hour or something for the work I put in on it or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that, that it's really, really nice. Um, yeah. Putting paper or Swartz billet screen under a standard mesh screen undo the benefit of it because it's a good way to keep it clean. Oh, to keep the, the mesh screen clean because it's easy to clean the Swartz. It's just going to add resistance and prolong your shot time even more. Um, I, I don't necessarily know as of now, because I've not done pointed tests on this, if it's affecting negatively the water flow through the puck. All I do know is it elongates contact time without increasing extraction yield much. So it could be harming the water flow um, through the puck, which could be undoing the mesh, yes. But I can't say that for certain. I can only speculate it would not be the best. Um, what is coffee, Lance? Let's get to it. What is coffee? Coffee is life. Like uh, Danny, was it Danny? Danny, right? Danny Rojas says football is life. Mm. Do you drink Italian dark roasted coffee? No, I do not, unless I'm in Italy. In Italy, I will do it. Um, but it's because I love to embrace culture, right? So I'll, I'll drink whatever local coffee there is wherever I travel all the time. How about using a frozen lily drip in a dripper, similar to using a frozen ball with an espresso machine? I've paired that with a Sama Bloom. Wait a second. How about using a little frozen lily drip in a dripper, similar to a frozen ball with an espresso? Oh, I see what you're saying. So similar to a frozen ball also with a filter. So you're just taking, I have a lily drip somewhere. So what, what he's saying is the lily drip, for those that don't know, is this. And then essentially what you do is you have it inside your dripper to make it more flat on the bottom. Well, this is one style of lily dripper. There are different styles. But this is one style that can make it more flat. And so what you can do is, um, I don't know where filters are. But anyway, so what he's saying is you can take this, you can freeze it. It's like a piece of ceramic or I guess, that, I don't know what the material is. Maybe it's ceramic. So it'll hold its frozen really well. And then once the water goes through, it's going to immediately hit that and it's going to retain volatiles, which, yeah, that'll absolutely work. Um, and, but then it'll heat up, which is which is what you want anyway. So you can do that with Sama Bloom. And, yeah, it should absolutely retain the volatiles because then the liquid will hit that. It won't want to evaporate so it's cooled down rapidly. And then, it, in fact, it should be more effective than the chill, the balls. Honestly, it should be more effective than the balls because there is still, whenever it's leaving, the bottom of that filter, it can uh, leave with the steam, right? This doesn't give it that option. It, it, it experiences no outside surface. Um, what would you say is necessary in terms of equipment, recommended practices, things like that for physically disabled people to start their espresso setup? That's a fantastic question. So 
what would I recommend in terms of equipment, recommended practices, things like that for physically disabled people to start their espresso setup? So the, oh, and then second question continued. I can only use one hand and I'll suggest by another person to not do normal milk steaming due to it being dangerous. Um, no, I don't think you, so it really depends. With milk steaming, it, it depends on, it depends on a, a, a multitude of things. Let's say that you have one arm or you only have one uh, abled arm. All right. When you're milk steaming, it is going to be difficult if you do it in a conventional way. There is a way to do it where you kind of do what's called ghost steaming. Let's see if I have, is this, yeah, this is on camera. Okay. There is a way to ghost steam. And that would be like, let's use one arm. Let's get a milk pitcher. So ghost steaming, you'll see this a lot on like Dreet and Alcella's uh, Instagram, but essentially you'll, you'll take your milk, you'll feel it. And then you're going to, first you want to purge your wand, right? Then you're going to take the wand up and you're going to just put it into place. Then take the wand and position it halfway and a quarter, just barely submerged under the milk. Start this, and you can with one hand kind of dictate what's happening in it. And then as it gets hotter, you can let go of it, uh, and you can kind of watch it with one finger and feel whether or not it's at te uh, the temperature you're wanting. So you can kind of hold it and see what's going on with that. And then you can just turn it off when it's done. By the time it fluffs up, that tip will be fully submerged, so you don't have to worry about adding any extra air. Then when you're done, you know, just wipe it off and clear it one more time and go about your day. Um, so there are ways to do it. Now, not all machines have the right size steam wand to do that well. Uh, some are much shorter, but even with that, you can always stack something underneath, right? You can always you can always make up for that height difference. Uh, so you can always, you know, stack, put it like so, right? Um, or some have the, the capability of going off to the side. You can stack things underneath. Whatever it is, there are ways to get around that. Obviously, that's much more difficult than being uh, than um, than maybe getting something like the Nanofoam or Pro, uh, which can do it automatically. It does a pretty good job of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, the easiest thing would be something like a Nanofoam or Pro that heats and steams your milk. All you got to do is open it, pour it in, close it, and clean it. Uh, but there are ways to like go steam. It, it takes a lot of practice, but once you get it down, it's actually quite it's quite easy. Um, it's just kind of understanding what milk level you need, what pitcher size you need to use for whatever drink you're creating, and then uh, kind of go for it. Uh, I use this trick in bars all the time when I was working as a barista. I, if I had multiple drinks coming up at a time, I would fill up a massive pitcher and I would start it steaming. Boom. I'd let it sit there and steam as I was prepping and pulling shots. I would check it every now and then with my with a hand just to check the temperature and then come back. And then if I noticed it was stretching too long, I'd just go over and submerge the tip. Or if it wasn't stretching enough, I'd lift the tip just a bit. So it, it was kind of like monitoring that. And I could steam like five, six, seven drinks at a time with the two steam wands, ghost riding the wands, kind of feeling it, letting it go, let it go, stop it, milk portion, milk share, go on. So there are ways to ghost ride the steam wand, but also you have things like the Nanofoma Pro. I'm not sure about the drink morning one. Um, I haven't tried it, but that might be a really easy one as well. Uh, but anyway. What water recipe are you using for light roast as a daily driver? I don't have like a daily driver uh, because uh, I switch up roasters and I always do it based off the roaster. So to give you some examples of recipes I use, whenever I use Tim Wendelbow, I don't have his exact water recipe, but what I found works really well with Wendelbow is actually the light and bright recipe, which is similar-ish to what I've researched on the water in his area and then making assumptions he's adding a little something to it. So light and bright um, from Lotus, obviously, is um, is the recipe I used for Wendelbow with Collective. Um, I, I try to do my best uh, replicating their water. They haven't given me the complete breakdown, but I know it's about 15-10, 15-5. So that means about 15 general hardness, 10 to 5 uh, carbonate hardness. And so sometimes I'll do like two drops of magnesium chloride or one and a half or one drop of magnesium or uh, or um, 
or of calcium, whatever it might be, and then uh, like a drop or two of potassium or, or, or sodium or something like that. So really low PPM for those. With Manhattan, I do closer to a 90-40 because that's much closer to what they're using. Sometimes I'll do a little less bicarb or a little more bicarb depending on uh, the coffee because they tend to have really acidic ones sometimes. Um, but yeah. What is your process to dial your water recipe for filter? Yeah, so it's based off the roaster, pretty much. Um, why am I in Europe? It's because I want to be. It has nothing to do with anything other than wanting to be here. Sorry, last minute info with the questions. I need a tamp puck wall dosing funnel WDT. I don't know what else would be best for me. So honestly, uh, with WDT, um, so, okay, so it would be very hard to WDT with one hand unless you had a flat porta filter which now you can, I think this is about to hit Kickstarter, but this is going to be a fantastic option. This is the Canal Hummingbird. Um, so I don't know why the tip is a little twisted. Did I mess that up at some point? I don't know. But this is completely flat, like the Unifilter, but it weighs like nothing. Okay, so it's completely flat. So if you're doing a uh, little one-handers, you, you toss it one hand, you take your funnel, boom, put it on. You can stir it and it'll sit still. It has like rubber on the handle, so it's got friction, so it won't move around as you're stirring. And that'll work really well. Um, so that would be a really good one for uh, if you want a manual WDT. Obviously, there are other ways of doing WDT. You can do like, um, I don't know how well this catches. I've not really thought about it. Okay, so it doesn't catch very well. So you would kind of need to hold this in place or it'll fall off. So this would not be a good option. There may be some that have... Um, that have deeper grooves to lock on the portafilter head, which would probably be a, a pretty good must um, if disabled. Um, so you do have options that are like 3D printed WDT things. Obviously there are 3D printed Moonrakers. I don't know if they have the suction like this one does. This one has some nice rubber on the edge to stay on, but this is just a one-hander. Um, but in the end, I think you could pretty easily do um, um, manually, you would just need something like a flat portafilter so that you can do that. Um, yeah. And then uh, tamper, uh, if you want, you can do something like, I mean, these are more pricey, but you can do something like the Bose tamper and that automatically tamps. So all you do is you put it on, you twist it and it'll go and it tamps. So you can have that or a very easy one-handed tamper. is just something simple like the happy tamper, which is a palm tamper. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite nice. I, I, I like the happy tamper quite a bit. Uh, but you also have something like force tamper, anything that is going to sit level on the side of the um, of the basket is going to be really nice. Uh, just so you don't have to worry about the balance of it and whatnot. What's your suggestion for French press? Don't press that at all. Press very slowly. I don't press at all. Uh, similar to what Daddy Hoff showed years ago. I don't want that slurry to freak out. I pour very slowly, very, very slowly. Service question has been asked prior to this chat. What was your initial reaction to the EF83V? Yay or nay? Really cannot say. If it's good, just good salesmanship, that I'd be looking at AF. Okay. So I am excited about it. I do have one that's been in transit for a bit. It's been stuck in customs. Uh, but on paper, it looks really, really nice. Um, I saw someone post a picture of what the beans look like once they've just passed the auger. And the auger works really well as a pre-breaker, which is fantastic. Um, 83 mils are okay size burrs. They're pretty thin for how wide the diameter is. I wish that... I don't know why they were made like that to begin with, but they're 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 a good size burr. So I think I think it will be a solid grinder. I haven't watched any reviews on it to be honest. I've heard that maybe Kyle says it stalls a bit or something, uh, which doesn't you know inspire too much hope. But I've also seen people push back against that. But that's the same thing with everything. Um, 
So I'm not sure uh, as far as its performance, but on paper, like if it delivers, I think it'll be a really nice grinder at that price. Let's see. Can you recommend a grind setting for your V60 pour of recipe for the Easy Presso X Pro? Also one for cupping. Thank you. Um, let's see. Let me pull out an X Pro. Oh, what happened to my X Pro? Did I let someone borrow it? I must have let someone borrow it. Crud! It's definitely not here. So someone's definitely borrowing it. Yeah, that's Q2, right? That's Q2. Yeah, that's Q2. What the heck? Who did I let borrow my X Pro? Um, I'm going to assume, I can't remember the click system on the X Pro. I'm going to assume it's similar to these other external adjustment ones. And if that's the case, then I would say for my V60, it'd be around a five, five to 5.5 5, and cupping would be around a four to 4.5. Hopefully that's accurate, but I'm not sure, but that should give you an idea. It's about one, one full number different. Um, I do appreciate the environmental friendly nature of onyx, but really wishing it would not cost such a large amount of shipment to Switzerland. I've got good news, Swiss. Well, I don't know how good news it would be, but um, shipping from EU is about to get a lot easier. That's all I'm going to say. Watch for an announcement. <laughs> um, did you think that 64 Lab Suite are very similar to 83 version, or is there a big difference? There's definitely a difference. Definitely, definitely a difference. Um, and I'll get into that. Uh, when will I get into that? I don't know. I don't know when. All I know is I can guarantee that the 83 suite on the DF83V um, is likely going to be a really, really nice combination because the 83 suites, they have a really small path for the grounds to go through, which is kind of lame. You want a longer path. It has a really short path. So having that pre-breaker is going to make it a game changer. I would say that they're actually, 64 and 83 is actually sort of similar especially if you slowly feed your grinders. But um, once you can get that pre-break game in there and then you have more exit uh, surface area, it's going to be nice. Um, hi, friends. I have a question. Is there a business reason that some roasters seem to be pushing filters more than espresso beyond the obvious cost difference for V60 as an espresso machine? I would say it's because they're more proud of the way filter roasts taste. A lot of these people don't like doing espresso roasts, but they know that their filter roasts get butchered in the shops because filter roasts are really hard to extract on like nine bar settings and taste really good, especially in milk. So they tend to push filter roasts because they're more proud of the taste of those and assume people can work with them well at home, but it's also a better representation of what they want out in the world. Espresso roasts tend to not be their favorites because they're more roasty, right? Uh, what is the difference between a filter roast and an espresso roast? Can one be used method? Yeah, so you can definitely use a filter or an espresso roast for either one. So if you bought an espresso roast, you can use it for filter and vice versa. Uh, the reason they make these, again, is because they're roasting their filter coffee so lightly that they're not really producing much crema. They're not, they get lost in milk whenever you add it to milk for cappuccinos. They're much more difficult to extract in general to make a tasty balanced cup. And so in order to uh, make these easier for cafes that might not have the best equipment or even they're just pulling standard style shots, they may not have very curious breezes that want to dial in outside of standard um, dial in you know, parameters. They make a darker roast uh, in order to um, optimize the taste of espresso. Now, there are people, of course, that'll swear that the espresso one is way better on espresso, but I never buy espresso roast personally. I'll just make it work for espresso, the filter roast. I prefer uh, lighter coffees like that. Um, and if I want a darker coffee, then I'm going like dark boy, not, not Italian roast, but I'll go like proper develop. That's not an espresso roast, but it's like 
a proper one. So uh, this is actually a good time to talk about Omni Roasts. So typically what you have with really lightly roasted coffees is they'll have a filter and then an espresso, but they're really known for their filter. And so people label them as really light because of their filter without taking into account the espresso. Then you have Omni Roast um, Roasters. These are people who roast the coffee to what they see as kind of the ideal roast degree that can do well in both filter and espresso. Say so a filter being the lightest, espresso being the darkest, and like people who do an Omni are kind of right there. And so then people who are doing Omni are, you know, thought of as really dark roasts, when in reality, it's just darker than the filter from the others, but lighter than the espresso. So it's it's an interesting kind of thing that is, has arisen from that. But hey, Lance, speaking of more budget coffee, can you recommend any roasters offering more budget basic options with maybe a wife taste appeal? Oh, I was like wife taste appeal, wide taste appeal. They corrected it. Um, yeah, so um, the best way to do that is to find a, let's see. Um, you're going to want to find a very simple roaster. I think there's one called H&S in the States that apparently is really, really nice budget, uh, really high quality, nice budget coffees. So essentially, you're going to want to find a company that's buying 84 to 86 point coffees. They don't have frilly uh, packaging. They don't have great, um, uh, like they don't have a big staff. They don't have a lot of overhead. They may be in an area with lower rent. Um or, or simply one that's more local to you so that you're not paying shipping costs. But um, yeah, I've heard H&S does a good job with that. And I'm sure there, I know that there are others, I'm just blanking on it. But the fact is, is like a lot of these um, roasters that are pushing the limit on these coffees and trying to set trends and whatnot tend to have higher costs because they're buying higher quality coffees. Uh, they're buying higher priced coffees. You could have, for instance, th th you could you could buy an 86 that costs $7 a pound and you can buy an 86 that costs two eighty a pound. And they could taste very similarly in quality, but one's going to be loads more expensive than the other. And you may prefer the cheaper one, but that's just the thing is, is with all these coffees, depending on their origin, the farm, et cetera, uh, they're all going to be priced quite differently. So, um, and you know, there are roasters that'll come out with cheaper coffees frequently. Uh, so you just got to kind of keep an eye on that. But what I've heard is, uh, what I've heard is, I think it's called H&S. I think Rohan is the one who told me about it. So ask him who the good quality, cheaper, especially roaster is, um, if he's here. Having general issues dialing in light roast of coffee on Bambino Plus and Niche Zero Grinder. If your videos make me think this is a limitation of equipment, if I were to upgrade any recs. So you can dial it in. It won't be ideal, though, sure. Um, especially if you're looking for, like, if you're into light roasts and you want that really nice, bright acidity, florality with a nice balance, and maybe a little sugar browning notes even, without the bitterness, it's going to be hard to accomplish that with the Niche Zero. Um there are people who swear that they do, and that's great. I have not had that experience, and I've had two niche zeros. Um, so, uh, but it, it might be a little difficult. Um, I, I don't like pushing people to upgrade, though. So I'm 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 in between a rock and a hard place. Um, I mean, you can always get a hand grinder, uh, like a, an Easy Presso Q2 Heptagonal or something along those lines. That is going to immediately give you a better grinder for lighter roasted espresso. And you can see if it's a big enough jump to like invest in something bigger, maybe sell the Q2 if you don't want it um, as like a, a test. Or if you have a friend that has another grinder to test it, uh, just to make sure that you're able to accomplish what you're looking for. Maybe you're not a big fan of light roast and um, that could be the issue. Or it is just the niche. I just don't like, I hate pushing for people to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. So it's kind of a difficult thing, but I would keep trying, uh, maybe do, maybe go like, the thing with the niche is it produces a ton of boulders. So maybe, oh, here we go. Uh, try double grinding on the niche. 
So if you have a hand grinder, go coarse and then grind the final one into the niche. Or uh, maybe, uh, yeah, so I would do hand grinder. You don't want to really regrind grinds on the niche uh, because the coarse it goes isn't super coarse. Uh, so you could also try that. When you double grind coffee, you lessen the boulders drastically. Um, so that's an idea. Does waffle base force taper have the same effect as ripple base? Maybe I've the only the only I'm not I'm not aware if it is or not. I've not done any testing on it, and that's not what I've been what my understanding is thus far. Um, but I haven't done my 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 um, tamping tests yet. So I I now have I have the force tamper with the convex and the flat ripple and just nothing. Um, I have happy tamper. I'm going to get in a, a curve one from happy tamper. I've got uh, the decent tamper and a lot of other stuff. And we're going to, I'm going to narrow down how I'm going to approach that test. Hi again. What should I look for when shopping for burrs? If I want to try different styles of profiles, uh, what should I look for when shopping for burrs? If I want to try to, what should I look for? Uh, I get, uh, I guess I'm confused by the question. What should you look for? Um, it, it depends on what style or profile you're looking for, right? Uh, I would need to know that in order to kind of help. Quick question, O Gen 2 or DF64 Gen 2 for filter? Oh, O Gen 2, no question. Augers for life, baby. Auger. Uh, did you get any update on SP Burst for Sculptor? No, I have not. Did you listen to the latest Tim Winnable podcast? He said you and Hoffer, the two channels he recommends to people on starting out in coffee. <gasps> Stop it! What? What? I've not heard that, but you know I'm going to listen to it. And if I ever get a wiki page, that's going to be a citation on there. Lance Hedrick, YouTuber, crazy person, Onyx wholesaler, and one of two pod, one of two YouTubes Tim Wendelbo recommends. I love it. My heart skipped a beat. Um, most clarity-focused espresso burrs while maintaining the possibility of doing nine-bar blooming shots. Um, okay, what's what size, though? I don't see a size there. I would need a size, a burr size, because they're very different. They vary very widely. I'm going to receive a DF64 Gen 2 next week. I've never had a flat burr grinder before. Currently using Kinu M47. How important is seasoning? It seems pretty wasteful, even with supermarket coffee. Uh, if you're doing, okay, um, DF64 Gen 2. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about seasoning. You will see changes over the first mm, 10 kilos or so, uh, but don't worry about it. Just know that the coffee will improve over the time of the seasoning. Now, there is something you could do if you have... Um, a way to season if you wanted to is if you if you're like a handyman or something and you've got um, and you can make a contraption like a bucket that has heavy vibrations. Like if you can make a bucket that vibrates like this and fill it with sand and put the burrs in there, that would season it for you. Just leave it on for like eight hours. That would season it for you. Right. Um, so there are ways to get around waste. Um, you could probably do it with coffee grounds too. just let it shake in there. I would not use rice. Don't ever use rice to season. Um uh, but yeah, you could do cheap supermarket coffee or you could just play the weight game and just be like, okay, I know that for a minute, it's not going to be the, it, it'll be good coffee. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's going from 20% of its quality to a hundred percent. That's not how it works. You're not going to go, oh, this is so bad. I just need to wait for the, I heard, I remembered someone said to beatbox. Okay. But you're not going to like freak out. Oh, this is so bad. I don't want this. That's not going to happen. No, what will happen is you're going to be like, okay, it's pretty good. I'm not like, uh, maybe I'm not wowed, but maybe I am. I can't really tell. And then as time goes on, you're going to like settle into it and settle into the burrs. And you're going to be like, dang, that's what's up. That's nice. I like it. So I wouldn't super worry about it, but yeah. 
Uh, as a beginner in coffee, I'm very curious about grind sizes. What tips do you have to really hone in on figuring out what grind size is best for pour overs? I'm struggling a bit with that. As a beginner in coffee, I'm very curious about grind sizes. Sometimes I'll read and I'm not actually reading. So I, that's something I just did. As a beginner in coffee, I'm very curious about grind sizes. What tips do you have to really hone in on figuring out what grind size is best for pour overs? I'm struggling a bit with that. So I always go quite coarse. So that is a good question, by the way. You need to find out what style of pour over you get. Some people do enjoy finer grinds and like a really concentrated beverage. And, and in that case, you could do really fine to do something like an osmotic flow type pour uh, that's going to extract the coffee very, very, very differently than doing like a coarse ground, heavy agitation type pour. There are there are multiple ways of, uh, you know, as the saying goes, multiple ways of skinning a cat, right? So it, it's, it's difficult to really recommend a specific size because I don't know your taste preferences, but I always recommend going coarser and then finer, 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 finer uh, until you find what you're liking. I also recommend less pours than more pours. Um, for reasons I've talked about a lot of times in the past. So we'll just, we'll, we'll keep it at that unless someone asks a specific question later. But um, yeah, so um, I would go coarser. I would go to like, uh, like a millimeter and a half in diameter. Let me make sure that's like an accurate one. No, about a millimeter diameter. Yeah, millimeter diameter. Millimeter and a half would be crazy. Millimeter, so about a thousand microns. I would start there. Um, okay. I read that hand grinder are inconsistent on espresso because of inconsistent RPM. I thought buying K Ultra for espresso with light roast only bad idea. Only bad idea. Electric alternative for three fifty. Well, it depends. Uh, it, 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 if they're inconsistent, sure, but very small inconsistencies. What you have to realize is the RPM. Uh, inconsistencies are very small inconsistencies, right? On, on the grand scheme of things, your electric grinder is going to have some wobble unless you have a really expensive one or they do a really good job on specking the motor so it doesn't oscillate that much. But in reality, you're having oscillations um, even on nice grinders. Like if you have the EG1 and you look at the RPM in real time or the Kofitech Monolith and you look at RPM in real time, it does oscillate as it as beans, as the load is changing, it's constantly changing the, the amount of work the burrs have to do. And so the PID controller is trying to maintain maintain a specific RPM, but it kind of does the wobble. Same thing happens when you're hand grinding. Now, what I try to do is I count my revolutions and try to maintain. A lot of people will start grinding and they get, Ugh! now that will cause great inconsistency. But if you're sitting there and every now and then you get stuck, that's not going to be a big deal. That's not going to be a big deal. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, it, it, it depends on if you're wanting electric or hand grinder at that point. In the market for specialty coffee grows, if the market for specialty coffee grows significantly, is there the capability for the growers to meet demand? Is there lots of low quality coffee only because of large demand for cheap coffee? Yes. And because of contracts and because of uh, ease of work and because of uh, really a lot of it's because of contracts um, and difficulty to transition and uh, um, uneducation. There are a lot of people that just uh, don't know. Um, don't know how to fix things. Like a lot of it can be soil quality content and fixing it or um, lack of a, a, a agronomical or agricultural understanding of like optimizing shade or different types of minerals that need to get in the soils, nutrients, different things like that. And so a lot of these specialty producers, a lot of them actually have like PhDs or have studied at graduate level agronomy and agriculture and have been uh, pushing the limits there. So um, not all are, are, are have the same background, right? 
but a lot of it is definitely because like for instance in brazil where the number one producer of coffee in the world the these farms don't pay much labor because a lot of them are using mechanical uh like uh, machines in order to harvest and so it's really low quality and it's because they're not sorting and it's because they don't have to sort because they're in contracts for a certain amount and they don't have high labor costs right so it's it's uh it's kind of difficult because of things like that um but yeah, I think it will meet, I think d demand, I don't think will be an issue. The issue is, is potentially the, you know, environmental issues and then uh, um, whether or not the, the, the bigger issue than, than anything here is the fact that uh, the children of farmers are not wanting to take over the farm. They're leaving and taking jobs in the city because they don't see enough. Uh, they don't see a reason to stay and, and have like a job that's not paying them much. Right. So that, that would probably be one of the biggest issues that is being faced in the coffee world right now, especially coffee specifically is um, the descendants or the children or whatever of a lot of these producers are not wanting to maintain it. Uh, and so a lot of these farms could potentially go into ruin, things like that. Can anyone spell the first roaster Lance just said for Africa, Kenya, Tim Wendelbow. And actually it's spelled like it sound it sounds W E N D E L B O E. I struggle to get uh, up to six bar with the unifilter and a paper on the bottom, aiming for 17-ish seconds. What could be the problem? I don't think I should go much finer or the grinder isn't fine enough. I wouldn't worry about getting up that high of pressure. Pressure largely is a red herring. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, if it's if the six bar shots are tasting good, yeet away. That's uh, Jeff from this Discord uh, from Patreon. He, um, he, he, I don't even think he hit six bar. I think he does like, he does like 14 second shots with like a peak of four bar or something and lets it just ride down and has like a one to three or one to four ratio. And he swears by them. So I wouldn't even worry about hitting six. Yes. You would need to go finer if you wanted to get higher or pack more coffee into the puck. I don't think you need to. Um, thank you for all you do in your videos. Uh, maybe you could review cheaper machines like the Casa Brews one. I've had Casa Brews reach out to me to get their machine. I just, I don't, like I told you all in the video, I'm not receiving anything new from now on. I do have some stuff that I've gotten recently, obviously, before making the video. It's like at any given moment, there are things being shipped to me. So I made the video when I made it. It is what it is. But um, I could probably buy a Casa Bruce. I have some other videos coming up, obviously, of not in-game machines. But uh, yeah. Concerning grind size for cupping, coarse or medium, fine. With the Tomorrow 7 8, they recommend the 5 5 setting. Would you agree? No, I'd go a little finer than that. I'd probably do 5 or 4 5, maybe 4 5. Highlands is discussed on the Discord. Maybe do your next brew with some sweet beatboxing. <laughs> yes. Uh, did a little a second ago, but we can do we can do a little. You know what? I'll set up another brew because I would like another brew. And as I'm doing that, since I can't read, we'll do a little beatbox. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go as I can read. I'm gonna keep reading, but then we'll we'll, we'll move to it. Um. Wow, I'm way behind. I'm so sorry, Rahul. Uh, I'm, I have I have now at this moment. I mean, I have already discussed your question on disabled advice, but man, I'm behind. If that's where we're at you sorry i'm way behind on these chats i will get through them i'm gonna i'm powering through i'm powering through we're at 53 minutes i might speed through geez let me see how many chats there are okay not that many not that many we're good we're good we're good we're good we're good okay um i probably won't brew another one then i didn't realize we were 53 minutes in i'm just gonna speed through chat all right 
Uh, when ordering coffee from specialty roasters, I'm hesitant to order medium or dark roast. When they say medium or dark, is it much lighter than mainstream dark or medium? Yes. If you're looking at a specialty roaster and they say dark, it is much lighter than the typical dark. Okay. Um, Rabbit Hole does a pretty proper dark up in Canada, but that's the only specialty roaster that I can think of that does like a proper dark. Um, they're still not very oily, but some of them get to the oily point. But if you order a dark from most anyone else, no, it's not happening. At Onyx, we have Eclipse, which is pretty dark, but it's still not French or Italian roast. Uh, so yeah, if it's specialty and they're saying dark, for the most part, it's not. Uh, but there are more and more that are coming, that are trying to find coffees that shine most at the dark, darkest types of roasts. Um, so that's hopefully on the horizon. Thoughts on new V4 Aurea? Uh, I, uh, I think I broke it, didn't I? Yeah, I broke the V4 Aurea in that other video. Remember, if anyone watched it? Stupid me. Um, well, I haven't seen much PR for the Phylos ever since the convention. I'm not sure. Does the Mazda Phylos seem a good budget alternative to the Zerno? It's like 1,800 euro with tax for me. Um, I was not thrilled about the Phylos, to be honest with you. Um, I would say a better budget to the Zerno would be the DF83V based off what I've seen. And I'm sure there are going to be European resellers making it cheaper. One thing I don't understand about custom water for filter, what do you do with the leftover water in the kettle? Throw out or add more water and you reuse it for the next cup. That is a good question. So I tend to make the amount I need to kind of, I tend to make the amount I need. So if uh, typically you do about 450, if you're using Lotus, 450 mils, you can do less than that. It depends on how your kettle acts uh, because a lot of times kettles need at least like 450, 500 mils in order to give you proper temperature readings. But even still, they're kind of off. So if you want to get a temp probe and, and just do the amount of water you need and do the math to get the right amount, then you could do that. But uh, I oftentimes will just add water to it. Uh, the thing is, you don't want to boil it too many times. Boiling it once, I've not seen too much. I've not done anything deep on it, but I've, my coffee still tastes good. So if there's a little leftover, I will add and just will like, you know, I scat on it. You know, scoop it a gap, it a gap, I'm a scab man, something like that. And I just kind of scat on it. Okay, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. Are there any women LGBTQ and or non-white content creators and roasters that you would recommend folks follow? Good question. First and foremost, Emily Bryant, if you're not already following her, what are you doing? That is, um, uh, she is fantastic. Um, then I would absolutely follow the chocolate barista. So Michelle Johnson was the first ever black, um, black woman to qualify for uh, the nationals in the U.S. barista championships. So Michelle also just started Ghost Town Oat Milk um, and is just crushing it out in L.A. So I definitely would recommend her. Now, you also have um, like, well, Veronica just actually left the coffee scene, sort of. So Veronica Pearl um, is someone that I absolutely love. But she, um, I don't know if she's fully leaving coffee or not, but she started Glitter Cat, which is a um, kind of a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not a foundation. It's, um, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Like um, Glitter Cat uh, is a, what is the word? I'm just going to describe it because I can't think of the word. Glitter Cat takes in uh, marginalized baristas and they train them in order to compete in barista competitions. And they do that for free. Um, and so Veronica founded that and um, that it, it did just kind of shut down uh, because I think Veronica's moving on to other things. But um, she was fantastic to follow. Um, you also have, let's see, who are the big ones that I kind of follow? And you, what all, let's see. Um, 
inner non-white content creator. So non-white, I mean, obviously you have people like Brian Kwan, uh, who does great things on uh, on YouTube. I love his, he does a lot of like really nerdy, nerdy stuff, all very raw, unedited type stuff. Um, obviously Aramse, uh, the Indian YouTube creator is absolutely fantastic. He makes some of the most beautifully engaging videos online um, at the moment. You have people like, um, let's see, on the spot, let's see. Um, well, there's so many. Oh, I would follow uh, Layla Gambari. Layla just started consulting uh, and has put out a consulting company. She is a um, past U.S. Brisa champion, started doing consulting company. She's married to Ryan Wilbur, who was part of the Wilbur Curtis um, family that created, you know, the Brewers. Uh, but Layla is now consulting and has been picking up her Instagram once again. So it's nice to follow her. Um, oh, I also love, uh, and I'm blanking on her Instagram name. Her name's Nuket in real life, but it's a Black Honey Girl on Instagram, a Turkish girl who is absolutely brilliant in creativity and in art and in um, all those things. She puts out, you would, y'all will love her content. Wonderful little videos. Oh, they're fantastic. Absolutely lovely. Um, honestly, I can name a ton, but we'll go ahead and stop unless one just like pushes my brain into explosion. Um, um well, Umeko, duh, what am I thinking? Umeko and Julian, the person. So Umeko is um, uh, uh, the person who makes the Umeshiso products. Umeko is uh, a, a lovely creator who makes some really nice things. So I actually, the the spoons uh, they did with Hoffman, you know, like these little things. I just threw that. These little guys uh, made with Hoffman. Um, this is an Umeshiso spoon, the one I swear by. Um, that says D Lance Hedrick on it, made by Umeshiso or Umeko. Julian is their partner. Julian is a, uh, the 2022 Cup Tasters champion and posts a lot of stuff about coffee. Has started um, has started a tasting kind of school, I guess. Um, I don't know what to call it again. Words are blanking for me. Uh, called Tomato, and um, they have also been posting about mental health challenges from last year that are actually really inspiring. To kind of go through and watch uh, them work through these and sharing their story. Um, uh, oh, get you some gear. Fantastic. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I, now they're rolling in, and I need to stop. We'll sit here all day, um, and I can do this more um, in Discord as well. Um, the Nanofoma Pro is a pain to clean. I would agree. Good morning from Charleston, South Carolina. Slow feeders of the world unite and take over. Let's go. I need to re-ask the disabled advice question because you missed over it and you only mentioned milk steaming. I was asking advice as a whole. Oh, you're correct. I did only do milk steaming. Then I got sidetracked because I have ADHD. Uh, well, I talked about WDT um, and I talked about tamping. Um, that hits, that hits the main things, right? So when you're pulling a shot, you get the pour filter. So let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just like go through it just to be thorough. So you walk up to your machine, you flip it on, it's heating up. You take the pour filter out, put it down. You want to have a flat pour filter. Like I said, I recommend the canal does a good job. It makes life a lot easier, or you could get something that levels out your pour filter, like a pour filter stand where the head is level. That would work too. If, uh, so something like that. You're going to wipe out your portafilter with a rag, put it to the side. Um, we're going to uh, take our beans, dose them, spritz, spritz, shake it, turn the grinder on, dump it in, have the catch cup, take it out, put it to the side. We're going to take our dosing funnel, which I, I really like the Swarks one. It's got a really strong magnet. We toss that on. We dump the grounds in, tap, tap, tap. We take our WDT. And it'll stay still because it has that rubber on there causing some friction. We WT, WD, WDT, 
take the WDT out. We replace it in our stand or wherever you'd want to put it. Then we're going to take this and we're going to tap it to settle the grounds. Hold down the portafilter with your hand to lift off that magnet. So it's kind of like a hold it down, lift. And now we have our grounds packed and ready. You can I recommend Happy Tamper is really nice, really easy. Put that in. Happy Tamp it. Oh, shoot. Happy Tamp it. Since there's nothing in there, the metal kind of got stuck. Uh, now we have a tamped puck. You could, I guess you could do a puck screen if you want. Pop a puck screen in. We're going to push it in. Start the shot. Shot's going. We're monitoring the shot. Yada, yada, yada. We stop the shot. Pull it out. Tap, tap, tap. Yeah, so that's good. With steam one, purge, take off, fill with milk, go steam, boom. Or like I said, the other alternatives. Uh, if there's another specific question, I'm happy to answer that. Um, hi, my wife uh, finds pour over too complicated. What machine option can we give me the closest to a V60 pour over? I was looking at the Mocha Master with the V60 or the Sage Precision with a pour over. Um, I just got sidetracked. Uh, what happened? Um, my phone's pour over too complicated. What machine can, is the closest to V6 pour? I was looking at the Mocha Master or the V6 or the Sage Precision with pour over adapter. The Sage Precision is fantastic to do V60s. And, and it's got massive control. The biggest issue with it is it's a big daddy brewer. That thing is large and in charge. It's a big boy, uh, but it does a really nice job for V60 ports. Um, honestly, the Heroia looks like it's a good job for V60. Maybe check into that. Um, the one that Emily Bryant, Chiching, uh, did a video on. When you use the salami technique, have you ever tried to mix them in different ratios rather than just mix them together at the end? It seems like a way to perfect the balance of any coffee. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. You should do that. How's the bird review going? Actually, my friend's about to be here probably any minute now, uh, and we're going to test. Um, <clears throat> we're going to do. Uh, we're going to dial in air presses, French presses, clevers. Um, I bought the Wakako that people said was very similar to the to the bird. So with this one, you you screw like this. And you see that thing rising up. And what happens is when it has the suction on top, it's causing kind of a similar thing to happen. The water's forced through the grounds. So we're going to do this. Obviously, there's difference because this has loads of agitation going on about it. There's no real way to keep it still. But we're going. And it's pushing the water through the coffee. Then it's all the way out. You pull out the gasket. There's the gasket here. That's where the coffee comes out. Coffee goes in there. So I have one of these we're going to dial in. Um, and then air press this. Oh, and then I was also going to use, it's going to be a big daddy video. I'll just tell you now. Uh, it's going to be a big daddy. I also have the cup Timo. I don't feel like pulling out. Cup Timo is, has a little blood pressure pump on it and it sucks air out of the brew chamber because it causes a, um, a suction with the bottom. It's no bypass. You suction it out and it pulls the water through the bed. So we're going to kind of compare all those so that when I do my bird review, I can also talk about all these in comparison. What do you think of 98LE for filter? That's like one of the only burst sets of 98 I don't have. You could try the Clever Dripper. It's an easy... Yeah, it's very easy. I'd look at the AeroPress. Extremely easy and forgiving. True. Any experience with thin Swartz puck screen in a BDB? There's a small gap around the screen in the wall of the basket. Does this help edge extraction of the puck or hurt the extraction? I don't believe the Swartz is going to ever help extraction, um, to be honest with you. I'm not convinced of that based off of the numbers that came out the other day. 
Hey Lance, with these really dense Ethiopia wash copies, when I have struggles with slow drawdowns, what can you recommend? Faster papers or something I do with my poor pattern? Also, do you have experience with the origami filter papers? They seem slower than Hario ones. Yes, yeah, so with uh, these uh, washed Ethiopias, they are fines heavy. It's less about the density, more about how many fines they produce. So with those, you're going to want more crimpled papers or ones that have more wrinkles in it uh, and thicker papers. They're going to help not cause that stalling. I would also do less pores. If you're doing more than two pores, stop it. Stop it. Just do like two pours and don't swirl very much. The more you swirl, the more you pour, the more you're going to clog up that filter. So let's chill out on that um, and just rely on one or two pours uh, to get the whole thing. So a bloom and a pour. Just do that bad boy. Don't swirl very much. Just make sure your bloom is nice and saturated and then pour your second pour. It'll speed up the drawdown, give you less bitterness, yada, yada, yada. Since we're talking cup and grind size, it's 5.5 five on 07A. Is time we recommend also recommendation? No, I would say about 5.45 five, five or something like that. Sorry if you already answered this, just jumped in, growing tired of the Atomos of my Gen 1 DF64. What would you do? Up to DF83V with that MPSSP or MPSSP for the DF64 and slow feed. I'd probably just buy burst set for what you got. No need to buy another grinder unless you really want to. Um, or if you can offload the 64, but I don't think there's need to get a second grinder. So do you buy the filter roast of Tim Wendable for espresso? Uh, yes, I do. Me again. He he. When I asked for a recommendation for a budget 64 millimeter burst, since I already knew the O2, I wanted similar burr quality, but for the espresso and one that can do filter and espresso. Well, it can do it can do filter and espresso. The O V2 can. Thoughts on home roasting? Home roasting's good. I mean, it's good, but the fact is, is most of the home roasters that people are able to afford are not good. Um, yeah, that's the issue. I mean, do it obviously if you want to, but uh, the affordable ones are not great. Did you prefer grinding? a dosing cup NWT or use a blind shaker. Um, so this will all be in a video I'm doing soon. So keep your eyes peeled. Has he answered my question about disabled? Yes, I did that one. Um, um, at my shop, we have an E80S with Turkish burrs and we use our medium roast espresso with a one to three ratio and with a five second pre-wet with 28, 32 seconds. Heck yeah, love that. You have Turkish burrs in the E80S? What do those look like? I don't... I know that the EK forty three has Turkish burrs. I'm not familiar with the EADS Turkish burrs. Do you know? Do you happen to know the time? Oh, uh, just curious if you had the opportunity to try the final product, Momentum Grinder. No, I've not. You're going to do a Time War S three review of this year. I don't know. Maybe. Um, thanks. Which of these have the biggest impact on the quality of the French press? Water, unfiltered, filtered, to grinder. Water definitely. Oh God. Well, wait a second. So beans would be the least the least important. One month or one week after roast. That doesn't matter. Um, Grinder, low-cost hand grinder, top grinder. Oh, definitely water is the number one thing, then hand grinder, and then then well, out of your options, it would be the number one most important thing would be to get that unfiltered water out of here. Filtered water. The second thing would be uh, low-cost hand grinder versus top grinder. Honestly, the low-cost hand grinder could be really good, so that doesn't really matter that much. Beans, one month, one week. It really depends on the roast level and how they're being stored. What better for espresso, 64 millimeter SSPHU or MP? Any other 64 millimeter burrs that are better than these two for espresso? So it really depends on your flavor profile. You, like 64 MPs are fantastic, but you might hate them. It depends on what you like. Um, HUs, I don't think anyone hates the HUs. They just provide a different experience. The MPs are pretty polarizing. So as a catch-all, what's the best would probably be HU. Um, but both of those, I think, do a great job. And the casts do a good job, too. Highland Smoke Roaster only offers uh, beans at city right roast levels. It's a bad thing. I'm totally missing out on light roast. No, city roast is like a fully developed light. So it's pretty light. It's fully bit developed. It's not It's not going to be Nordic style, but it's it's going to be nice. Uh, I'm very much not a handyman, so I'll probably opt for not doing anything. <laughs> Does the tamper base matter if you use a puck screen? Would the puck destroy the ripple? Um, I don't think it'd destroy it. I think there'd still be a benefit to it. Have we tried any coffee from Glitch Out? I have not. 
Um, well, that's way closer I've been doing. I'll try that. Thank you. Could I use a crew brewer to grind a small amount of beans, check the grind size and adjust to dial in for espresso more efficiently? I don't think so. Uh, checking grind size for espresso is next to impossible. That's exactly what you could probably go to the episode. Is there any good use to deliver to 17 and new generation baskets? Can you elaborate a little bit on the effect of headspace? Headspace, that's another video I'm working on soon. I'm going to take, I actually been doing measurements of these baskets. I have four different IMS baskets. Well, actually three different IMS baskets of varying depths. This is the decent 14 gram basket. The whole spread's a little bit different. These are all the same. This has a little more narrow whole spread, but I'm going to do the same dose in each of them at two different dose sizes to really kind of see what the effect of headspace is um, on the coffee. Uh, what are views on Hario Mugen? It's good. Um, I probably wouldn't use it that much because there's like no bypass and it probably just takes a long time and I don't know. Um, I love Kenyan coffee. My favorite 2023 was the that from Prologue. So good was an outstanding Kenyan you tasted in 2023. I've not had any outstanding Kenyans this year, sadly. What would be missing if I went with Amara X instead of pushing for a Bianca? Thanks. Um, the better heat stability, uh, more control um, with the flow control, um, uh, faster uh, 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 heat up times. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I prefer the Bianca between the two. You're going to get better temp stability and less faffing around with that because it's not a heat exchanger, but... Morgan drinks coffee. Oh my God, the person I coached, and I did not even name them. Oh my goodness. But I also just assumed everyone already follows them. They're like the second most followed coffee creator on the whole internet. So I don't feel bad not saying it. Um, okay, it was off. Made it to the end. Hope your son is quicker. You have to head out soon since the family is running. Thanks for your answer question. I've heard you're making the dark roast press recipe. I couldn't find it. Someone get I need to make a video of the dark roast press recipe. Sorry about that. Um it's got a pepe and cedar washed with gray look gray looking beans. Is that normal? The cups have been very light color, not bad. Any tips for brewing? Uh, just use hotter water and a little finer grinds. So you should be good. But what's the minimal dose you would recommend for V60? What minimal dose for espresso for 58 millimeter pore filter? A uh, minimal dose for a V60, assuming you're talking O2 or O1, would be maybe 12 grams. And then for espresso, assuming you're doing an 18 gram basket, maybe 16 grams. Um, but yeah, okay. We're we're at an, an hour and 11 minutes. I need to quit. Thank you so much for coming through. Welcome to uh, to those who are new. Welcome to the um, to the to the to the chats. You know, to those who are watching this as a replay. If you want to join in on chats in future videos, which every now and then we'll do these Q and A's, you can join the Patreon at the link below. We have a bustling Discord there. And uh, anyway, hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, I guess we always end with I hope that you grew something tasty. Cheers. Ending stream. <laughs>